0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Bakari Sellers podcast. Today, we'll be interviewing the incomparable Andre Day to talk about her newest film, The United States vs. Billie Holiday. This was a fun interview, y'all. We had a lot of fun. We cut up. But before I get to her, I want to talk about the House of Representatives' recent passage of President Biden's $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan. In case you missed it, late Friday evening, the House passed the American Rescue Plan. And this week, the Senate will take up the measure. But one key provision that passed the House won't be in the Senate version, and that's the minimum wage increase as the Senate parliamentarian ruled last week that we couldn't pass an increase in the federal minimum wage to $15 using the budget reconciliation process. So what's that mean? That means while we'll have stimulus checks, expanded child tax credits, unemployment insurance, rental assistance, and lots of other things we all agree on, A key campaign promise from Democrats in increasing the minimum wage faces an uncertain future. Democrats need to get this done, by hook or by crook. Back in 2001, when a Senate Republican majority didn't like the parliamentarian's ruling on tax cuts, they fired the parliamentarian and pushed forward. I need the Democrats to act like their majorities are on the line and push past what we all know was coming from an unelected parliamentarian. And like I say here at least once a week, If we got rid of the filibuster, we could whip 50 votes and pass the bill as a standalone. Either way, get this shit done, because Democrats have razor-thin margins in the House and the Senate and actually lost ground in state houses across the country this past cycle. And for once, fight like Republicans fight and act like you have the power we gave you last November. And I can promise you that if you aren't canceling student loan debt and you aren't raising the minimum wage and you aren't passing police reform or voting rights or the things that will require, we kill the filibuster. We'll lose everything in 2022 and 2024. And unelected parliamentarian Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema can't be what stands between this country and progress. And if Democrats play with fire here, they'll be in the minority again next year. And that's that on that now on to our conversation with none other than billy holiday <laughs> andre day i know you're very very busy out here changing the world and uh-huh. making this movie number 1 and so i won't take up too much of your time but andre day thank you so much for joining us on the bakari sellers podcast how you feeling today
1: i'm not feeling good i'm feeling you know um I don't know how to describe it tired but energized you know what I mean does that make sense oh, yeah you know? that
0: makes yeah. that makes sense I mean it's different because I mean you, you don't get the you don't necessarily get the energy from the crowds because we're in the middle of a pandemic but you know you're doing something just and right so that feels good to be on yeah, that trail too
1: and I love her I love talking about her and Lee and everybody so it's um you know it's energizing definitely how are you Man, I'm good.
0: I got these twins, so we you can swap out. That's why I'm, I'm not. I am not energized and tired. I, I got do
1: not complain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <I do> not.
0: <laughs> you can come get them. They buy one, get one free today. Say,
1: <laughs> oh, bargain deals. <laughs> <laughs>
0: they do appear in the show every now and then. So if you hear them, just keep on going. We got Sadie and Stokely. They're, they're two year old toddlers running around here. So we oh, just okay. get it done how we can. Mm-hmm. Look, I start each episode pretty much the same way because a lot of people who, especially a lot of younger people who listen to this show, they just they don't necessarily see the hard work that it takes for you to get where you are. And they just see you on the big screen and know that you're Grammy nominated. Uh, they know that you're a vocalist and now you're an acclaimed actress. But how did you end up uh, where you are, the evolution of your music career and how you ultimately pivoted to acting? I read somewhere that you were discovered in a strip mall. I mean, talk about yeah. how, how you got discovered and how you ended up sitting here today.
1: Yeah. So I was actually singing. It was like a store, a shoe store that was opening, and I was singing in front of it. And the um, this manager, producer I was working with at the time. Very grateful that I'm not working with him anymore. But God bless him.
0: Uh- <laughs> Don't worry, he right. come, Oh, he see he see how famous you are right now. He coming back. He's saying you signed. you signed some napkin and some We've diner.
1: Already been through all of that. Bro. <laughs> God bless him, bless him. and we move on. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, but the one good thing that did come from it was that. Uh, he found himself in a pastry shop with um, a woman, Kai Miller Morris, who happened to be Stevie's wife at the time. And she heard the performance, and she liked my voice, and she played it for Stevie, who also liked my voice. And they orchestrated, you know, a phone call. And so I was—he reached out, and re- I'm here. I am on the phone with Stevie. Man, Stevie,
0: I was about to say Stevie who? Stevie Jones, Stevie yeah. Smith. What's Stevie? What um, y- you no, know, Stevie
1: <laughs> Jenkins. You know. Overall- <laughs> <laughs> <right now. laughs> Um, no, but, uh, yes, we're Stevie Wonder, the amazing Stevie Wonder. And, and so I'm on the phone. We're just talking about, you know, what, what's he's like, what's your sign? You know what I mean? And just like talking mm. about music and, and a song that he wanted specifically to write, you know, and we were just literally just talking about life. And it was so crazy. Cause again, I was living, you know, with my mother sleeping on her futon behind a seven 11, you know, next to a dumpster. <laughs> literally that is the picture. And, and he's, he just kind of crashed my world. So he actually ultimately ended up introducing me to the producer who did my first record, Adrian Gervitz, um, who did Cheers to the Fall. And and then from then on, you know, we just met. We sent music out to people to see who wanted to be involved. I ended up meeting Rafael Sadiq. We got involved with and, Man, and you so Tell uh, me,
0: growing up, I used to think I was Rafael Sadiq.
1: Did you think you was, it never rains, huh?
0: Yeah, no, I I used to think I had a voice like Raphael Sadiq and Philip Bailey from Earth, Wind & Fire. And and, yeah, no, no, I
1: had to go to,
0: I had to go to law school.
1: (laughs) You never know, you know, singing doctors out here, okay? Singing doctors, (laughs) give you be singing lawyers. (laughs) But um, yeah, so, so, and then from there, you know, just, we released the first um, album and then Rise Up, you know, did what it did um, on, on the record and and sort of just opened us up to this whole other world and uh, became the unofficial anthem of the Black Lives Matter movement and sort of put me in the presence of just people dealing with different struggles, the presence of, you know, the, the amazing president and first lady, the Obamas and so acting wasn't really necessarily on my radar when it came about. You know, I, I I was I knew at some point I wanted to get into movies, mainly on the like producing and directing and co-writing side of things. Uh, so when this came, I was like, hell no, this is a terrible idea. I'm not. An <laughs> I, actress. Heard, I heard you. Movie. You
0: almost passed it up. Why, I, tell me this. How did you why did you almost pass up? How did you almost miss your blessing? And then what what brought it back to you?
1: That's 100% real. So I did almost miss my blessing and it was fear that made me do that. And it was God who brought it back to me. So really, and I, and specifically actually through a prayer, I was just, I didn't want to dishonor her legacy. I love her. I didn't want to be terrible. You know what I mean? That's, that's, I thought I was going to be awful. I didn't want to like, you know, just sort of dishonor Billie Holiday's legacy. I didn't want to dishonor Diana Ross, you know, uh, uh, Mm -hmm. Audrey McDonald on Broadway. You know, it's, it's a great, shoes, you know, but I wasn't, uh, so I, I didn't want to just mess up. I didn't want to be a stain on Billie Holiday's legacy. And what made me say yes was actually meeting with Lee, who just is an incredibly brave storyteller. I, I could see in him, he had the same need and desire to tell Billie Holiday's story and uh, that he felt slighted by the government, that they were able to successfully keep this this narrative about her life from him. And then the script in Susan Laurie Park's amazing writing. Once I found out that we weren't remaking Lady Sings the Blues and that it would really vindicate her legacy, like people would know her as the great godmother of civil rights, which is what she was, Mm -hmm. then that was very incentivizing for me. And also a prayer. I was was doing devotion and I was actually trying to pray it away. (laughs) I was like, no, I don't want nothing to do with it. And and the scripture I read was about not asking for the storm to go away or asking someone to do something for you, but instead being caused to do an act of great faith. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> so it was a storm of things that made me ultimately say yes over a decent period of time.
0: Let's talk about the United States versus Billie Holiday. I'm going to play the trailer. But for people who may not know who Billie Holiday was, who was she? And go into detail about her fight against the federal government that you portray in the film.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the way I will present her to you is Billie Holiday was um, the godmother of civil rights. She was really the genesis, the the first martyr in the war on drugs. She also happened to be an incredible jazz singer and a legendary, prolific mm-hmm. jazz singer. Probably one people will, a lot of people will cite as sort of the greatest, the queen of jazz. And she was, she was a hero. You know, she was singing a song. She was most known for singing a song called Strange Fruit, uh, which was a song about lynching in America and, and just talking about racial terror orchestrated against uh, uh, Black people, people of color. And she, had, and she was integrating audiences. You know, she was one of the first artists to integrate Carnegie Hall. And she had the entire federal government, the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, headed by Harry J. Anslinger, uh, J. Edgar Hoover. Um, the entire government was coming after her because she was holding a mirror up to them and saying that lynching in America is wrong and she was... Shedding light on it, and um, and they really targeted her unto her death. You know that was one of the things they said is that give her enough rope to hang herself with. And so, people also need to know that the war on drugs actually started in the forties, um, really late thirties, early forties, and the the construct was actually it was it was designed to take Billie Holiday down, and then ultimately was used as a blueprint to continue to dismantle black leadership and black influence but why was she
0: viewed as such a threat though
1: Mm, well because it's truth right you know of course i think a system uh, and truth is light right and shedding light in dark places that want to continue to be dark is dangerous The, the government as we know is america right this this goes back to having a conversation about acknowledging that america is a racist nation it has been you know what i mean and we have to have that honest conversation and so you know, they're trying to build and establish and, and push a narrative of supremacy, right, and a narrative to us of inferiority, a system, you know, in which um, inequality can persist and exist and um, and be normalized. And systems like that have to be built on lies. They have to be built on deception or as Brian Stevenson of the Equal Justice Initiative says so brilliantly, they have to control the narrative. And Strange Fruit was a bright, bright light, a bright beam of truth um, into a system of lies. And I think truth is the only thing that can dismantle systems like that. And so it was definitely dangerous for their agenda.
0: So how did you prepare to play this role? Because, you know, beyond Strange Fruit, which she's known for, I mean, she's also, you know, they, they, they talk about her being drinking heavily, smoking cigarettes, all of these things how did you prepare mentally and physically to play the role of Billie Holiday on screen? Hmm.
1: Uh, I mean, you know, mentally Lee is brilliant. So it was really about trusting Lee, trusting his vision for who Billie was. Um, And I did completely. And, um, and then he sent me to Tasha Smith, who was my acting coach and Tom Jones, who was my dialect coach who helped me to find the voice. And it was about sort of trusting their process, you know, and, and working together and, she worked with me. I did a ton of research on my own because, I don't know, I'm a Capricorn and that's what we do. <laughs> oh yeah, y'all,
0: Capricorns, boy, y'all are extra. Y'all are extra with a little bit more. more
1: extra, probably <laughs> to our own detriment sometimes. But, but I, I, you know, I love her very much. So doing the homework was not a, t- it was something I love, love, love doing. And I I scoured the internet in every book and wore her perfume and Mm. and wore her jewelry and even found like lingerie that she a brand that she liked a vintage brand that she liked but you know lee and tasha were like this is all wonderful the shell of research is beautiful but now you have to actually fill it with a human being and that was me and so it really taught me how to just sort of dredge up these emotions and to live with them and to be present uh and then a bodily transformation you know i i do not drink or smoke or cuss or have sex or you know any of these things and so it's very different or do
0: me. or do heroin which was don't a big heroin. part of it you now if you would have if you would have said i don't drink smoke uh have sex but i do heroin on the side that would have been one of <laughs> the most, <laughs> most unique interviews. Like,
1: no i do a little bit of heroin no i, I just just, don't a, do a just, a, just a touch
0: just a dab but it's you're awesome. not gonna judge me. But like, you not gonna I, judge me. <laughs> you
1: know, just I only use heroin socially. You know what I mean? So, so <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, so none of those things, but I did I had a piece about it. I prayed heavily about it. And once I got that piece from my God, as I say, uh then I, I dove in and I knew, you know, I was I did start smoking cigarettes because there's no way to fake her smoking. You're hard pressed to find a candid photo of Billie Holiday without a cigarette in her hand. She was a fish. She drank, you know, so much. So drank a lot of gin, lost a lot of weight, stopped sleeping. I stopped. Time out, time
0: out, time out, time out. So you, you actually adopted minus the heroin, the bad habits that Billie Holiday took on.
1: I did. Yes, I did. And
0: you just stopped them. You just stopped them cold turkey with prayer.
1: Well, the cussing is still there, so I'm working on that one still. But uh, <laughs> you, you can know, like, still you
0: can still get the gates with with a couple curse words because right. if, that, if that's if that's the cutoff, then like,
1: <laughs> no, that's me personally. I just like try to not, you know what I mean. I think because I cussed so much when I was young, and I realized I'm like, sis, you ain't saying shit, like you know, like so. I was like, I tried to make an effort to stop, so I could like really think about my words, you know what I mean? But but um, yeah, no. So I I, I have since. Um, quit smoking, but, but it was, you know, I, I still, what I thought would be five months, four months, you know, ended up being like a year and a half because we had all of this ADR work and these pickup shoots to do in 2020. So it was at first I was like, okay, you know, five months to a year and a half is a difference. So, but I have since quit smoking and I don't drink anymore. And so, yeah, it it, did. It was definitely a a change and a a transformation in myself, you know?
0: Definitely. Now I, You know, she's known for Strange Fruit, but we have a lot of listeners on this who may not know and on this platform who may not know what Strange Fruit represents. We've come to appreciate the song as a chilling depiction of lynchings in America. But give our listeners a glimpse into the era where talking publicly about black lynchings made someone a public enemy of the federal government.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, listen, this this stems back to really, right, the slavery, right, the emancipation, you know, and, and the criminalization of of Black bodies, because it wasn't really right. until after the abolition of slavery, which we didn't even know until two years later, but that's a later conversation, but, um, you know, it wasn't until that that the depiction of Black people became one of, of of a monster and one of a criminal, and one of, before it was very kind of, um, you know, oh, it's just your friendly neighborhood, you know, slave, or, you know, it was very kind of, like, you know, Mamie and sort of those, that, that depiction. So, uh, you know, the criminalization of, of black bodies, the monetization of black bodies has has been a central part of, of injustice and, and, and this system sort of persisting, uh, you know, what it was like to sing a song about lynching at the time. We're very familiar with protest songs, right? We've, we had the sixties and we've had, you know, the eighties on to now, and we make it if we feel like it. And we, we didn't have that before Strange Fruit. That was really our first protest song. And I put it to you like this, you know, as artists, I don't know for the most part, I don't know what it's like to get on stage and to say, if I sing Rise Up, for instance, right, this will likely be my last day on earth, you know. And so, and and especially in the 30s, 40s and 50s, you know, there was not even really a protocol for this, <laughs> you know, They were, they would shoot at her. She would sing "Strange Fruit" and leave the club, and they'd be chasing, shooting into her vehicle with the intent to kill her. You know, so um, I think people need to understand it's it's not just a song, and it's not just the right thing to do. It's an actual fight, a physical fight that Billie Holiday was engaging in on our behalf with little to no support.
0: You know. Speaking of support, talk about Lee Daniels and what it's oh, like working with him. I mean i've been in I've been in his presence a few times. We. Mm-hmm. We've shared we sh- we 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 do drink and we've shared some liquor drinks together in the in the, in the past. Uh, okay, but good. talk to me about what it's like in your relationship with Lee. What it's like working with him on this role?
1: Uh, working with Lee is a lesson in not just filmmaking and not just acting and not just um, building a character and and layers of humanity it is a lesson in fearlessness. It's a Mm. lesson in art um, and in detail in, in sort of just an uncompromising will to, to create the best thing that he can do for our people, you know, and that's, and it's, it's a lesson in fighting for black stories. You know, it's Mm. working with him was just, I mean, I, I have to tell you, honestly, I don't think I would have said yes, if it were another director, because it was his passion and his, I'm going to tell her story and I'm going to tell it and I'm going to allow her to breathe. I'm going to allow this black woman to have layers and for her to be emotional and for her to express mm. and be strong and to be vulnerable. And, you know, we're put in a box often as black women. So it was just incredible. He would come to set. He created such a cookout family vibe when we were on set. And, and um, I will tell you, it was because of him. And it was because of my incredible cast. Every single one of my co-stars that it was really, really difficult for me to leave the set. It felt impossible, but it was just, it was really difficult for me to leave because, you know, it was a transforming experience and, and he, his vision, you know, it's, it's not a biopic, you know, it's, it's a true story about her life, about this aspect of her life. It's a picture in time told in the lens of black opulence and beauty and all the things that inspired him with Lady Sings of Blue. So I mean, he's a great, he's the greatest director and an incredible teacher as well. So it was, it was a blessing for me. I'm changed by him.
0: What's next? I mean, you, you, you chasing down Holly Berry now and Jada and all the greats now you've gotten, (laughs) you've gotten a little taste of it. What other acting projects? I mean, especially that you had, this wasn't like go and play yourself um, or just be, you know, we want you to play a teenage actress who falls in love or something like that. This was immersing yourself in someone else. So you've done what's very difficult. What's next for you in terms of acting?
1: Uh, I mean, well, I'd love to work with all those ladies, <laughs> you know, and, and Viola and, you know, that would be amazing.
0: Vi- oh, yeah. Viola, Regina King. I mean, the, the Black women are running the game right now. You guys are on, I, top of the, on top of the game.
1: All of them, you know. And so, so yeah, I think for me in acting, I... I um, you know, there's, I'm just gonna, I'll, I'll probably do a few more things in acting. I'm not going to lie. This role kind of took me out, you know, <laughs> a little bit, but, um, but I will do a few more things. Definitely. I, I feel that I, I really would love to get behind the camera though. I would love to, um, it, I, there's I have started writing some things and so I, I wanted, there's certain stories that I, I want to tell. Uh, so I'd like the co-writing, co-producing, co-directing side of things. And, yeah. And I think really my motivation, you know, even though the movie was incredibly challenging and I, I thought I would retire after, I really have a drive and a desire to help push what all of these great black actors are pushing, which is to tell our stories and to get. There's so many stories like Billy Holiday's that have been intentionally suppressed, you know, and so I, I I'm i like- sucking
0: my teeth right now because you just said you thought you were going to retire after this. now. Nobody, you didn't like, think that. No, nobody on the team thought that. You just out here just trying to say stuff for people to hear. We knew, you thought you were going to go out here. You about to win some Oscars. Exactly. And be- <laughs> well, I received
1: that. That's amazing. <laughs>
0: but
1: on set, it's so funny. If Lee, Trevante, and Tyler were here right now, they would be like, we thought you was retired. Because on set, I was really like, Mm-mm. I was looking at my sister said, girl, I don't want to go through this shit again. Like, you <laughs> know, I was like, oh. <laughs> But um, as you but as you out?
0: as you take right. a swing and, okay. and, si- and okay. sip some gin, sure we don't take
1: no more scripts,
0: <laughs> no more scripts. What about at? Bring the gin <laughs> <Jen laughs> out.
1: <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, you know, I realize it's just there's so many of our stories that have not been told, you know, and I, I feel like if I don't put my I should help to bolster the efforts of these great actors and filmmakers that are already doing it. You know, if there's a platform, great. Let's tell more Black stories that have been suppressed. Let's tell more marginalized stories, or give a platform to other marginalized communities to tell their stories and be represented properly. So, you know, I do. That is a driving desire to push that narrative forward and just to honor God in this space for me. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, that's important. I mean, you. It's very easy. I come from a world of politics. It's very easy to lose focus of your God in politics, and I'm assuming it's very easy to lose focus of your God in Hollywood. So that. That challenge in itself is worth the strength. I guess one of the more important questions is how can people watch the United States versus Billy Holiday? Go ahead and get that plug. You got to get that plug. I got okay, Alexis on the bottom of the stuff. screen. There Alexis you. on the bottom of the screen. She could be like, no, no, go back. Tell people how to watch it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. Tell people
0: how to watch it. So
1: okay. Let's see if I'm good at this. Okay, everybody. <laughs> um, you can catch United States versus Billy Holiday, a film by Lee Daniels starring myself and Gervonta Rhodes. February 26th. That is Friday on Hulu. So come check it out. Come get some of this good truth, y'all.
0: All right. Now, I'm not going to let you go just yet because we got to talk about your music career just a moment. Okay. There's mm-hmm. also a soundtrack to the Billy Holiday film that you're a star of. I'm not sure if you've ever seen the star of the film also be the star of the soundtrack, except for maybe Whitney Houston in The Bodyguard and Prince and Purple Rain. Mm-hmm. Talk about your work in developing the soundtrack for this film.
1: Mm. Well, that was really, I mean, most of the music that you hear on the soundtrack is actually music in the movie, you know, so most of what you hear on the soundtrack is me actually singing as Billie Holiday. So the only song that actually has my voice as Andrew Day on it is uh, Tigress and Tweed, the song that I wrote for the end title with um, Raphael Sadiq. So this was really, I mean, it was, you know, it was Lee's brainchild, honestly, and it was, uh, um, and he worked with, um, with Salam Remy, you know, and, and myself just sort of picking the songs and cultivating. But, you know, so it's, it's really his brainchild because it's also the music. So when you listen to the movie, you will hear all of these songs performed in the movie as they are um, on the soundtrack. And it was it was pre-record. We did pre-records um, in August before we filmed. And then some of it is live because he saw that I was in a very I was in a different place. I was deeper in Billy by the time we got to set. And so he did some of them live like Strange Fruit You Hear is live. Mm. Uh, so yeah, this is shot. Is that, that
0: a hard? Is that a hard song? I mean, as a singer, and I mean, I, I I don't. We're not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but is that a hard song to sing?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a hard song. I mean, vocally, technically speaking, I guess not. It just depends on what. That's kind what. Of, I, yeah. Yeah, it depends on what kind of vocalist you are. You know what I mean. But it is hard because the, the the toll and you know where you know where it's hard, not necessarily in the range. It is the phrasing. Billie Holiday lands every sing, And that is part of her genius. You know, we phrase songs the way we do nowadays because of her and most of us don't realize it, you know. So that sort of free form phrasing is her signature. And she lands strange fruit. Every line she delivers picks up and lands in a place to. Dry out the maximum emotion and it, i don't even think it's something that was natural that it was thought about you know that she thought about it just was natural she just felt where those places were so it's it's not easy to sing in that sense because it's not always impactful when you know people sing it and but she was that way so technically speaking it's the phrasing that makes it a challenging song to sing as opposed to the range
0: so what's next for you i mean we got another album coming out we another too. We you're gonna you're gonna create about a you about to you about to start your own your own gin company?
1: Yes. Now that I know about the different types, I remember being, you know, so funny. I was like at a bar I was like, She one of my favorite restaurants when I was in Montreal. And I was like, Can I have a gin? They were like, but well, how do you want it? Do you want it to? I was like, listen, I gotta tell you, I don't actually drink. I'm just having to fuck it up tonight because I'm Billy Holiday. And they were like, okay, cool.
0: So they were like, like not only like, is she drinking, but she crazy. Yeah, this woman right. thinks she Billy
1: Holly. <laughs> right. So I was like, whatever you think I should be drinking, do that.
0: <laughs> I, I don't um I will tell you this. I, I people are gonna pick on me, but I, I had a bad college experience uh on gin. So I drink everything else but gin. That's gin turns me into something else. I woke up beside. anyway, I just I didn't have a good experience on that gin. <laughs> that was a
1: real. That was a nice cut on that. Story.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just edited myself. <laughs> never mind. Never mind.
1: <laughs> like, gangster self edit. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Well, I mean, it gives you an idea. This woman will wake up and drink gin, a pint of gin, the way you know you might get up and drink coffee. You know what I mean? So it was like, yeah. yeah. So yeah, but but there is an album coming. Tigerson and Tweet is actually the first single off of the album as well, and the album releases. June fourth, so I'm really well, excited about. This let me season. just
0: tell you, I've done a hundred episodes of the Bakari Sellers podcast, and the energy on this one's just different. So, uh, oh you, man, it's that's
1: a blessing. Thank you. Yeah, nah, yeah. you're
0: dope, and I wish you nothing but the best of success. I think that after this movie hits, you're gonna have to get a bigger, a larger back end on the next movie.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Tell Lee, look, we're not talking in half percents. I need a, I need two, three, four, five percent on this back end. A little I need different. Whole numbers. I
1: need whole numbers. <laughs> <laughs> whole numbers. They be trying
0: to give you them quarter, quarter percents. No, I need yeah. whole numbers. So thank you, Andrew Day, for joining the Bakari Sellers podcast. Has been a blessing. Thank
1: you. God bless. I appreciate. God
0: bless. You. All right. Before I let you go, I wanted to put out a call for action for our listeners for a mayoral election happening tomorrow in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm supporting my friend Tashar Jones for mayor, and you should too. St. Louis's current mayor, Lyda Cruson, has been an unmitigated disaster, and just like about every American city in the past year, has experienced spikes in violent crime. And in St. Louis's case, a recent uprising in its local prison adds to a host of other issues that have left the city in a downward spiral. But Tashar can turn things around, I believe. She'll strike the right balance between a police accountability and reform. She has a vision for actually building affordable housing instead of just talking about it like a lot of mayors. She'll be a voice for black St. Louis residents who haven't had a black mayor in ages. And I'd be remiss if I didn't start off Women's History Month by endorsing a black woman who'd be the first black woman to lead the City Hall of St. Louis. I know we gave Black women their flowers for saving us in 2020, but it's time to elect them in 2021 and 2022, and we can start with Tashar. We can't just support the Kamalas and Stacys when they're household names. We support them when they're our candidates for mayor, DA, and state representative now. And I'm sure she'd appreciate the support. So when you finish this episode, head on over to www.tashar4, the number four, mayor, and donate a few dollars to support her election day operations. And that's that on that. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Bukari Sellers podcast. We'll see you on Thursday.